What does it take to win? What does it take to be a winner? My name is Wesley Donahue. I'm here to answer those questions by interviewing a bunch of winners. And today I have my buddy Jefferson Thomas. Jefferson is out in Colorado and he's one of the best field guys on the Republican side. So today we dive deep in what that actually means, including some ballot access stuff and of course his favorite campaign war story. All right, brother. How's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? Great to connect. Yeah, you too. So the first thing I have to ask is, aren't you just like a few days from having a baby? I am four days into new fatherhood. Oh, you are. Um, Oh, the baby's here. So baby came July 2nd at 1215. She was thinking about being a firecracker baby, but mom said, uh, we're going to have a baby a little early. So a uh, healthy baby, healthy mom. But yeah, I'm a, a first time girl dad. So life is good and changed um, a lot here in the last week. <laughs> it's only going to change more. Uh, everybody healthy? Everyone is healthy. Everyone is good. The, the, the thing, you know, living in Colorado, of course, looks like Seattle right now. So it's, it's been gray and raining every day. So baby doesn't quite know day from night. So we're kind of on a nocturnal schedule right now. It's, it's reminding the days of, you know, late night campaign followed by morning, early morning conference calls and some Twitter alert going off at 3 a.m. You know, that's all real, except it's just a crying kid every two hours now. So everybody's healthy, but, but we're still navigating the, uh, the days. I should have given you this advice earlier, but I'm going to give you the advice I give all new dads. And and this might be inappropriate to even say on a podcast. So I'm going to say it anyway for all people who might become dads. Always make sure your wife breastfeeds because when the baby wakes up in the middle of the night, there ain't shit you can do. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I, I'm kidding, but like my wife breastfed all three of our boys and when they wake up in the middle of the night, they either want a diaper change or to feed and it's almost always feed and you have to do a diaper change too. But like, I got full nights of sleep and all these dads are telling me that they don't get to sleep. And I'm like, you messed up, brother. You messed up. <laughs> my my wife's a champ. I'm going to have to figure out how to tune it out. I'm going to learn to adapt. It's definitely not the wife. It's more of this. Somehow I became a light sleeper. So I just hear the baby and somehow I think I'm going to solve the problem again to your point. Right. No baby wants dad in the middle of the night. They want to see the mom. So they want mom. So you can just pretty, go back. You can roll back over. Go to bed. Well, if night, um, sweetheart. you know, if if we if a man doesn't know how much better women are before they have a baby, once you have a baby, you just realize that women are just so much more badass than men will ever be in in every respect. Just like having the baby, but then just mom mode. Like women are just far superior in every way to men. You, you know, I, I joke that I got to know a new person when I went from having a girlfriend and a fiance to having a wife. And I would say that once you see why, you know, your, your wife go from wife to mom, it's just a whole new person. So, um, they are, it's, it's amazing to watch and it's only, you know, having a front row seat to, to watching those two together, um, has been fun. And it's, yeah. it's an experience that you'll just never understand until you get to see it yourself. And you can relate, right? So, yeah, I know. Um, what did, what's the baby's name? Mary Claire. So Paige and I both had grandmothers who we were close with that had the first name Mary and we kind of liked Claire. And so rather than go with four names and call her Mary Claire something Thomas, we just said we'd go with three. So we call her Mary Claire Thomas and she's going to go by MC. Um, she's heard a little bit of MC Hammer tunes at some point. <laughs> nice. I'm not sure that um, 
her generation will appreciate them probably as much as some earlier ones, but we're trying at least. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm, I'm super happy for you. Besides that, um, which is um, obviously massive, you got any political stuff happening right now? Yeah, I mean, lots of good stuff happening. Lots of good stuff. I'm sure like you guys, you know, starting to take shape and uh, really get developing. Uh, our firm is helping um, Vivek Ramaswamy um, with his ballot access. And so we're, we're glad to join that team and uh, at least help them in kind of making sure that he qualifies, you know, in those 10 states. Um, we've got some some uh, issue work going on in, in Nebraska where we remain um, heavily invested in Florida and, and tracking what's going on there. And then, um, you know, the congressional races around the country are starting to heat up. There's a couple here in Colorado, the eighth and the third that um, I especially pay close attention to. And so, um, yeah, this is starting to pick back up, right? I'm hoping to take, you know, maybe four more weeks off and then really get to the grind. So, um, you know, we, we're on Vivek's team also. So we're handling all yeah. the digital and, you know, much of our goal has been to get him on the debate stage with, you know, because the RNC has got these criteria of, you know, 40,000 unique donors. And then I think the second debate, the third debate is going to have different criteria. So while our goal has been to get him on the debate stage, your goal is is to get him on the ballot in these states. I wasn't planning on asking you this, but I bet a lot of people don't understand what ballot access means. Will you just explain that real quick? Definitely. So um, th- there's multiple ways, especially in a presidential campaign, that candidates can qualify to gain um, primary votes per state, right? And by gaining primary states, each state submits a, a list to the RNC of you know um, how their delegates related to these primary votes um, w- will be allocated. Some states win or take all, for instance, right? Um, so we've identified about nine states where the method is not necessarily to pay what we would call a filing fee, walk in, write the state party, someone like that, a check and say, thanks, I'd like to be considered as a Republican candidate. Mm-hmm. And it's um, not really a delegate or a party insider system. But essentially what you'll do is is we'll take a group of trained professionals on behalf of the candidate to these nine states and we'll, and we'll get a, a legal petition circulated where Republicans from a wide sector um, across whether it's a congressional district qualification state or a statewide qualification or whatever the, the law um, subscribes, uh, we'll go get those Republicans who are supportive of Vivek uh, to, to sign up and, and essentially by following the state prescribed procedure of qualifying X amount of signatures in the congressional district, um, he'll gain access for people to be able to vote for him in the primaries. Awesome, man. Well, so what's your background? I mean, how did you get into this? So, you know, my background's a little unique. I, I started in politics when I was young. I kind of came from a political family in Missouri. My, my mom worked in politics uh, since I was in probably third grade, Congressman Holsoff. Um, I remember she worked for uh, Congressman Blaine Luchtemeyer when it was state representative Blaine Luchtemeyer running for state treasurer. And I remember knocking some doors back on some of those campaigns. So just... Uh, Started there, started out as the driver for down ticket statewide race, was willing to leave, um, you know, right after I literally graduated high school on a Sunday and uh, went to work for a candidate in Western Kansas in the big first on Monday. Nice. Um, but then I was blessed in my life to, to have some relationships with the University of Missouri football team. And so while I was um, in school, I would work a lot with the university football team, especially the quarterbacks and wide receivers, David Yost, Andy Hill, big mentors in my life. Um, and you really learned from that, some of the operational tasks, 
facts, right? That not necessarily are political, but getting 120 student athletes, 15 assistant coaches, 45 training staff, 50 equipment and support personnel and all these things like loaded on a plane and housed in a hotel <laughs> and everybody's per diem passed out, right? Those are some of those organizational things that I think really had an impact that I was able to translate when I left college football um, in 2014 and moved to Colorado to work for the Republican National Committee as a deputy state director. Um, you know, that first campaign, we had 60 some field organizers and I don't even know how many regional field directors, right? And a lot of those were skills that I didn't have because of politics, but I had because of this experience in college football. So I would say that was a unique background defining thing for me that has now led me to do, um, you know, uh, paid field is really kind of my specialty, you know, using paid labor. I think um, if we look back at probably the height of a Republican field program, you could probably say that President Bush's reelect in 2004 uh, mm -hmm. just did a masterful job of blocking and tackling county by county, critical congressional district by district, and really just started making a path toward a loss almost impossible right they just yep. continued to limit the carry playing field and that was the and if you when, look that at was like at the height of the victory program yeah exactly the rnc was really invested in a victory program and they really had great buy-in from their campaign partners and everybody kind of understood their their firing mm -hmm. lanes they're right and so if you if you think about that as the height and you think about probably just the evolution of campaigns and politics and where we're at um we have to have that same victory infrastructure from 2004 when we can, and, and we have to continuously work toward that, but it's not going to look the same. And so taking organizational aspects from what I've learned and tried to glean from that 2004 type operation and the RNC's operations and what we learned about getting 120 college football players to row in the same direction to, uh, you know, beat Georgia and Athens to win the SEC East in 2013. There's a lot of overlap there and making yeah. teams and, and, Companies and units work together. And so that's really what we specialize in right now is, is how do we, uh, you know, help campaigns and help candidates and organizations kind of offload that field worry to a professional company who can um, execute those, those needs for them without them having to um, overly worry about it. Yeah, it's so smart. We don't talk about that a lot because, you know, you... Everybody has become a political expert because of the 24-hour news cycle, right? So we focus so much on big things like messaging. And for me, it's, you know, digital programs and polling that it, it's really that operational ground stuff that's the most important that just doesn't get enough attention. And it just requires uh, such a machine to coordinate thousands and thousands of people knocking on doors and making phone calls, all those things that I used to do. But because they're not sexy and not in the news, they they often don't get the attention that, you know, the ads get, for example. Well, and I mean, look, I being a paid field, you know, paid labor guy kind of building these field programs, I'm always going to advocate for that, right? But I always say that, that especially um, candidates and kind of spending decision makers should think about it in as arrows in a quiver. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of times that, that television, digital, mail, those mixes and makeups do a lot of times um, happen to be what you need to accomplish your outcome, right? But, you know, I'll use Colorado as an example. Right now, um, for a candidate rate cost per point, everybody's paying out of the Denver media market, right? Mm -hmm. And so at what point is continuing to add another thousand grips or another 2000 grips getting you the return you need compared to sending someone 
to have an in-person conversation. Um, totally I worked right. for President Trump in 2016. I think one observation, and I think you and I have talked about this before too, is is the people who got Donald Trump elected in 2016 weren't really Twitter users. They weren't really the people that live in this echo chamber that mm-hmm. a lot of that that sphere seems to live in. They were guys who got their news from you know the radio in the combine or direct mail mm-hmm. or potentially someone coming to knock on their door in a very neighborly way saying, we can't continue our country down the path it was on, right? And I think there's something to just have everybody remember about that. As much as you know, people like to fight these primaries on Facebook and, and Twitter, it's who's going to get their message out and activate their voters that aren't, you know, necessarily in those spaces. And we'd like to, to help make up those margins doing that. Well, you know, and, and again, it's the presidential and the big U.S. Senate race and some of these swing congressional races that are sexy. They're the most talked about. But really, you look at like a state house race, a state Senate race, any of these down ballot races, those door knockers are way more important than anything you could ever put on TV. And, and the other thing I would remind people about that is, is you can always find a television vendor who's going to say three weeks of this and it's good, right? But, yeah. but the good television vendors that you want to use will tell you that you need to run X amount of ads to gain a saturation and X amount. There's a dollar level, right? That's right. Um, at the end of the day, a lot of those state legislative races in, are, are becoming many congressional races already as we continue mm-hmm. to see red states kind of solidify and blue states solidify. I can think of a couple spots where, you know, there are congressmen who were just elected and maybe they were two or three state senators and that seat's now, you know, going to be probably that congressman seat for 20 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. And that was all settled in a primary for a state Senate race way back when, because that's <laughs> just the way the cookie crumbled. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, when you start talking about these races that are coming down to, you know, 500, a thousand, you know, voters and, and, I think the other thing is we, you had uh, my friend Chris Grant on, right? And talking about doing opposition research. And mm-hmm. I would echo that as you're doing the research, you've got to kind of know who your potential voters to get are. And once, especially in these state legislative races, and I love doing them because once you know who those, a couple of thousand voters to get are and, and who you can capture doors, mail, digital, all of those things that you probably can afford that aren't television really have an impact if they're done in a targeted and coordinated way. That's exactly right. I mean, look at what Governor Youngkin's doing in, in Virginia with his, his uh, Spirit of Virginia pack, right? I mean, a lot of those items are just um, prove how, how critical these state led races are. And I, I guess that's yeah. the other thing. I think a lot of times you said how sexy U.S. Senate races and governor's races and congressional races are, right? Man, I know a lot of guys who are really good operatives that keep a lot of state Senate and state House members and states in their, in their portfolio because at some point, oh. those races make a difference in states, right? I, I do. I mean, you know, yeah. I still do the IE work for the South Carolina Senate Republican Caucus here in South Carolina, and, and I have now for going on 15 years. Probably shouldn't anymore, but I do. <laughs> I just, I just I mean, love it's it. just... It's, <laughs> It's, you know, it's, it's fun, right? It keeps you engaged yeah. in, in politics in a, in, a, in a different way with honestly some, some simpler decisions and less influencers and things where you can still have a little bit of fun. But the fact of it is, you know, I, if, if you don't have any legislative chambers, let's say in Colorado where I'm at, you know, I kind of watch Republicans moan and groan about their lack of influence in the legislative process. And I, I remind them, well, you know, maybe we should win a state house seat or two or a state senate seat or two and start clawing our way out of these super minorities. But in red states, if you're not able in a lot of times to 
to help pass veto-proof majorities or large majorities. You know, a lot of issues my friends work on school choice, some of those things. Yeah. Those things don't get done in a lot of states without, you know, uh, these state Senate and state house races that matter, I guess. No, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, before you get, because I want you to tell your story, but before you do, because I'm going to forget to tell you this, I'm going to be out in Colorado uh, a good bit in August. So I'll be flying into Denver and I got a, I'm running the Leadville 100. Uh, on August 19th. Oh, so I'll be, awesome, man. yeah, I'll be flying into Denver, uh, four times. So I'm, I'm flying, I'm going out there to acclimate in Breckenridge, flying back to coming back to Denver and then bringing my entire family back out for the race. So I'll be out there for half of August. I'll be in Denver then four, five times that I'll pick up some other people. So five times I'll be in Denver in August. So we'll have to hook up and let me know get beers man so you've been doing this a long time uh i'm sure you got a favorite campaign war story right something kind of crazy oh i have one that really sticks out uh that i love to tell to dovetail on our, our state ledge stuff right yeah let's do it um so the year is 2011 i'm in virginia and i have one of these races that we're kind of describing i'm working on where i won't name the candidate or any of the other guilty parties right i'll, I'll own all of this myself but um we couldn't really afford television. It's a, it's, a, it's a state delegate race in Loudoun County. And, um, but it was four, it was one of the like three or four races that was going to come down at that time in the cycle to controlling the house of delegates, um, and being a check on that time, the Democrat governor, or, uh, it actually might've been Republican governor McDonald trying to bring that chamber back. Now that I think about it anyway, um, they had a stupid little law in Loudoun County where essentially it said, if you put any sort of yard sign, let's call it, and it was really geared toward real estate and advertising type signs, but they had to give you a 30 day written notice to take it down. And you had up to 30 days to take it down or it would be removed. Oh, every good candidate couldn't afford television. Radio was expensive. Backyard signs weren't bad. There's no real billboards out there. But if you've ever driven out there, there's these parkways, right? So it's like a two-lane road and then like a 100-yard, 200-yard wide kind of field gully deal. And then the other two lanes come in the other way. Yeah. So we would park the van at one end of the long parkway, take 20 signs, and stake it every 100 yards nice. all the way down the parkway for rush hour. The county also then employ, at this point happened to employ uh, a volunteer sign removal program which would then, after you had been issued your 30-day notification, come around and clean up your signs. The sign program, uh, removal program, I later found out, just so happened to be infiltrated with a bunch of union, labor union members, who happened to want to see our opponent elected. So we would get these letters, but our signs were already down. And I mean, so we were spending thousands of dollars a week on yard signs, couldn't afford TV, bought what we could in television, mail was baked, digital wasn't as big of a thing in 2011 on state-led races, just go, but we were losing a lot of yard signs. I was young and mischievous, decided to take some skunk oil and (laughs) coat yard signs and skunk oil at the top, pull to the bottom of a hill and watch the union guys with their union hats go around and take off our bags and rub them on themselves and get them in the car and everything with a nice little hint of skunk oil. So I'll send you the videos, but um, the cops ended up coming 
We ended up being mentioned on Neil Bortz with a YouTube video back in the day called Dirty Mouth Sign Thief. <laughs> and Republicans ended up taking the Republican Board of Supervisors over. And their first act was to disband the Volunteer Sign Brigade because oh, they were worried shit. about the liabilities generated from these videos. Oh, man. That's some that's some damn good operative work. <laughs> I love it. So that's some that's some redneck that was, politicking right there, man. <laughs> that was some stuff we learned in Missouri. You know, at one point, somebody had suggested to me that if I really wanted to do it, I would have mixed some axle grease in there. So once it got in the in the carpet of their car, it really was saturated. I didn't quite go that far, but I felt kind of bad once I watched the video three or four years later and saw this seventy year old union guy rolling yard signs and oh, skunk oil on his chest. Man, uh, I can't say no. skunk oil, but uh, that's the kind of shit that goes down in rural South Carolina, though. We we got those kind of. I stories. mean, if you're gonna take my signs down, you know it's and, and, and the, like you've got a candidate who was raising good money for a state delegate race, right? But again, it's 2011. Like there's there were only so many mediums and tools in the toolbox to use, if you will. That you could, like you weren't buying TV out of lab, yeah. you know, DC Metro, Fairfax County. So um, I was just like, it was the only way we knew to like <laughs> stop the bleeding on the yard sign while still having some coverage down the parkway for for half, uh you know rush hour that's so good man that's so good well what's next for you just figuring out next uh next two years or i guess next year and a half Look, now um next year and a half now definitely um i have a lot of you know energy still as you can tell and we've talked about before but i i I have a desire to continue to help Republican candidates across the country. Right. And so I've got a wife, as we talked about earlier, who's a saint. And so, um, you know, I'm going to continue to talk to, to candidates that I can get behind and believe in and see where I can help them on their campaigns and what we can do to, to be of assistance. Right. Um, the Wisconsin Senate race, I think is a race that doesn't deserve near enough attention um, outside of the big three. And, and especially if you kind of think about, uh, you know, Montana, uh, West Virginia and Ohio kind of being the NRC SC declared three. You still got Nevada, yeah. Arizona, and Wisconsin and, and Pennsylvania kind of lurking in that tier two. And I think Wisconsin is just I the agree. best option out of those. And so I, I agree. Um, We're playing right now in those three big states you mentioned we're um we're playing in montana ohio and west virginia right now i believe we will be playing in west virginia too as i'm sorry uh and in, in wisconsin as uh, a close friend of mine as you know is thinking about running so we'll we'll see what happens there but yeah man um it's going to be an interesting year i think we'll be able to finally get the senate back since we couldn't get it done last year look if we can run some good campaigns and um, avoid some of the things that as operatives we all can address over the last six years is probably being downfalls of why we are not in a better position. Um, I think we're in a great spot, right? Joe Biden's, you know, cocaine addicted White House is is not exactly firing on all cylinders. And so um, South making today. that race competitive. Yeah, he is in South Carolina today, right? So if we can continue to hold that presidential race competitive, this is also right our weakest class of U.S. senators. If, if we think back to yeah. previous cycles and flu bars and things that have happened to Republicans. So picking up some seats here and uh, really setting ourselves up well for the next two, four, six years as a party, I think is just it's, it's right at our fingertips if we can do some of the basic things. Well, brother, I appreciate you coming on. It's great to catch up, man. I look forward to uh, to grabbing some beers when we get out here and hope everything's well in South Carolina. Yeah, it'll be about, I come out there on the 7th, so we got exactly a month. 
Perfect. All right, I will brother. be ready to leave the house after the baby at that. Yeah, point. I'm sure you will. Thanks, man.